This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. Ahead of Wake Forest NC State, we're broadcasting live from Raleigh here on a Wednesday drive. This is the song I'm used to hearing when I'm at PNC watching the Canes. Don't think I'm going to be hearing much of that tonight, though. Before we get to that game, for the second week in a row, North Carolina won a down-to-the-wire thriller on the road. And the two guys... This is the part that's interesting to me. Who've taken the most heat since the Duke game Saturday. Also the same guys that really came through when it mattered most last night. I'm talking about Hubert Davis and Caleb Love. With 15 seconds left and the game tied at 77, Hubert called timeout. And during that timeout, he relied on his coaching intuition over what the, the win probability figures probably would have recommended he'd done. He trusted his gut over what would have been easier to explain to the media, guys like me, if his plan had failed. you got to understand, he's facing a lot of pressure. He might not show it. He might act like he doesn't hear it, but he does. And in that spot as a first-year coach, he relied on his gut by giving the ball to Caleb Love rather than R.J. Davis. If you look at it on paper, You'd say, yeah, that definitely should go to RJ, not Caleb. Caleb was 4 of 12 in the game, 2 of 7 from 3, had 5 turnovers last night. Meanwhile, RJ Davis, 16 points, 6 assists, no turnovers. If you look at it that way, give the ball to RJ. Let him create something. Let him get you into the best shot. That gives you your best chance. Hubert went with his intuition saying Caleb's the guy that needs to get the basketball here. And this is him explaining his rationale after the game last night. We put the ball in Caleb's hands because, um, you know, RJ, you know, he had six assists. I think it was six assists, zero turnovers. But Caleb just hit a three. And so we just felt like, hey, you know, he's he's feeling good about himself. And... um, Brady was able to set the screen, and because of that separation from the screen off of Leakey, Caleb was able to get downhill and uh, he was get downhill, get to the basket. Hubert was right. Caleb executed the play beautifully. Got to give Brady Manick some love too. He set that screen. It would have been so easy, based on how Brady scored the last few weeks, for him to just kick back out beyond the three-point line and hope for a kickout pass. Instead, he'd drive to the basket to give Caleb an easier option. Where Caleb didn't have to just go up and try and score, he could dish it off the way that he did, and Manic got the game-winning bucket. But it's a complete 180 from Caleb, say, a week ago. They won in overtime against Louisville, but it was a mess late in the game, and it was a mess because of Caleb. I don't want to be too hard on him, because a lot of people already do that on social media. They hear enough of that. But a week ago, it was a mess. The final two minutes of the game, he let his man get behind him after he missed an ill-advised three. Then he tried to force up a shot between two defenders that he got bailed bailed out on. 
because Armando Baycott picked up the loose change, put it up for a three-point play. Armando. That put North Carolina up, and the reason why that lead didn't stand up was because after a stop, Caleb dribbled it around, almost got stripped once, and then the second time did get stripped, and Louisville went in for a basket. He was inefficient in that game. And a week later, Coach Davis is trusting him with the basketball, and he makes the perfect play. That could be a big step for his confidence. For North Carolina to get where they want to go, we talked about this dating back to last summer. Caleb Love's the X Factor. When Caleb Love's great, North Carolina's great. When Caleb Love isn't, it looks really bad. But give Hubert Davis a lot of credit. See, if you're willing to blame him a lot for the losses, you've got to give him the credit for the wins. He brought humor to that huddle. Think of all the pressure he's been under the last few days. You lose to Duke, you lose by a ton. NCAA tournament bubble, if you lose this game, odds are you're probably not going to be an at-large bid in the tournament. And in the later stretches of the game, he's the one bringing levity. Brady Manick gave Hubert credit after the Virginia Tech game. He was expecting Hubert to lay into them after the 20-point loss to Wake Forest, which followed the 20-point loss to Miami. And instead, Hubert just greeted them with positivity. And he picked his team up. And that probably was the difference in them losing a third consecutive game versus bouncing back for the first of three straight wins all at home uh, a couple weeks back. Last night, this is Hubert talking about one of those huddles where he noticed his team... He, he knew what buttons to press for them to play loose. No, but, you know, in the huddle, they were, they, were, they were a little out of control. And I was trying to calm them down and just say, look, guys, we, we've been in this situation before uh, just last week. And I, I made a joke to them. I said, look, guys, all we need to do is score and get a stop, and we win. And I said, you know, the great thing about it is, let, let, I said, let's, let, let's try not to go into overtime. Let's, let, let's win this game in regulation so we can get home at a good time good hour of the night and they all started laughing I think it loosened them up a little bit he even said before Caleb took the basketball in that final possession he told him you know you have permission to score here if you want to like you don't have to but if you want to score and win the game here I'd be cool with that he brought humor there he knows what buttons to press with press with his team and he did last night Hubert Davis and Caleb Love came through for the Tar Heels against Clemson on Twitter, at WSGS Sports, 336-777-1600. What were your thoughts on that game last night? Getting to the one I'll be at tonight. It is the Deeks and the Wolfpack. And even though the Deeks weren't so impressive the last time they were on the road, 26 turnovers, allowing a ton of offensive boards in Tallahassee, they still won that game. And I think Wake's going to win tonight, too. I'm not even really that concerned about Wake Forest. It's not like the Pack has any real home court advantage at PNC. NC State has played seven ACC home games this year. Their record, one in six. I don't anticipate many Pac fans being there in the middle of the week for Wake Forest. A lot of Wake grads are in Raleigh, though. I assume this is a game they'll come out to, especially considering how good Wake Forest has been this year. In terms of basketball reasons why I don't think this will be close, NC State, they don't have size. We've talked about that a lot that Manny Bates went out the first minute of the season, might have been their most important player on the roster, and since then, they've been asking a lot of Ebenezer Duana. I don't know if there are any other athletes named Ebenezer, Robert, but this is a guy that 
NC State really leans on, probably too much so, when he was expected to be coming off the bench when Manny was healthy. So then you go to the third guy who becomes the second guy, and it's Jalen Gibson from Zebulon, who had a nice game a week or two ago, but since then, eh, you could just kind of see that this is not a guy who's ready to play double-figure minutes in the ACC quite yet. Meanwhile, Wake Forest is the second biggest team in the ACC. I think they're the 12th biggest team in the country. The only team they trail is FSU in the league, and FSU has been the biggest team in the country for five or six years running. So I don't think Wake's going to have a problem tonight. I don't know if they'll win it big, but I think they're going to win the game and probably win it comfortably. Talk about game control, right, to use a football term. The Pack, they're just not going to be able to match up. Take when they played FSU. NC State, at home, got 55 points combined from Darion Sebron and Terquavion Smith in that game. Still lost to FSU. And this isn't a great FSU team. Wake Forest is coming off a lackluster performance against that FSU team. Won the game, but boy, was there enough on film that's probably going to be used as ammunition, probably has been used as ammunition for Steve Forbes at practice. I bet you those were not pleasant practices between Saturday and tonight. So I expect Wake Forest to win that game. I'm not all that concerned about it. Follow Uh, our coverage. There is one more athlete. Another Ebenezer? Uh, Yeah, he actually went to North Carolina. Uh, He's a a football player. He's a former defensive end. Ebenezer uh, Ikebon. Ikebon. How do you spell Ikebon? E-K-U-B-A-N. And that's, that's the phonetics. So I could be saying it wrong if they put it up incorrectly. Okay. They call him E.B. E.B. is Ebenezer Dewana going to be an accident. Yeah, he played from 99 to 2008. He was, a, he was in the league for a while. Yeah. One of Torbush's guys. I'm not comfortable with this. This is not okay. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. <laughs> Case Permar is now in with us, and Roger Goodell is speaking with the media before the Super Bowl. It's kind of like the state of the NFL press conference that he does each and every year. And Roger just said in the last 10 minutes that the NFL is going to host a game in Munich this year. And there's going to be a total of four games in Germany over the next four years, two in Munich two in Frankfurt. In addition, there will be a game in Mexico this coming season. I'm not a betting man, but if I were, I'd say the Carolina Panthers are probably going to be that first team that goes to Germany, and here's why. I'm already hearing from people I know in in Charlotte. In Germany? Not in Germany. (laughs) You coming, buddy? But in Charlotte, who are telling me what they're hearing is they're probably going to go to Europe again. So I I responded, Wembley Stadium, going back to England. They said they didn't know. And I'm thinking, where else could you possibly go? Now you see that Munich headline. And then I thought about this headline that I saw a couple of months ago. The Carolina Panthers were awarded international home marketing area rights in Germany. Not many teams have been granted international marketing rights. That means they have access for marketing fan engagement, commercialization in a lot of different places to help their strategic international efforts, something that I know matters a ton to David Tepper, 
they are one of 18 teams that have been granted access to the international marketing areas that span eight different countries, including Germany. So just file that away. That's, I mean, that's, when we think about that in May, the schedule comes out and the Panthers are headed to Germany. Yes, we are an East. The Panthers are an East Coast team, which makes them like more likely. Now you said they're in the group of 18. Doesn't mm-hmm. narrow down a ton, but again, when you start adding up the multiple things, and if the Panthers are set to travel internationally again, um, no, it's a, that's a decent value bet. That's well well sleuthed by you. Have you tweeted this out yet? Or you I have are, not. All right, well, let me beat you to it here. I'm okay, gonna, you could do that. I'm on Twitter on at DHPIV. You, no. you know what? We, we scratch each other's backs because you could tweet know, that out. I know where you're going. But you could tweet you, that out, and you, you can, can have me on sometime on your game. You can have me on sometime on your game show, <laughs> Sports Channel 8, the game show. I watched that this morning. We had some fun. Yeah, you did have some fun. It's a lot of fun to follow those things. Robert Darren Vaught was on that game show. Robert, we should have you on sometime. Do you know how Absolutely. mad I would be Robert, if I, would, I see I would Robert love to have Walsh you on. on the game show be before awesome. I'm on it? I would love to have you go. Robert, we'll make that happen. I'll set you up with I'll my producer. Man, I'm down for that. <laughs> that would be so much Subscribe fun. Subscribe to the podcast, too. The Sports Channel 8, the, the podcast. podcast. Yeah. You can find that and from 10 a.m. to 11, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can find them streaming on YouTube. And uh, Twitter, Facebook. Yep, those are the three. Yep. Well done. You could check all that out and follow them on TikTok. Let's get to Skips or Plays with Hayes. That's Super Bowl theme this week. Hayes Permar is somewhat of a renaissance man. An expert in the finer things. But he hangs his hat on music. Loves his God and he's no friend of Satan. He was like, oh, six, getting busy with the sticks. Been watching Big Mike and Lil Trick. I just need a Zion and someone he can dunk on. Today, Hayes will decide if this music is smash or trash, glows or blows. It's time for Skips or Plays with Hayes. All right, so Josh already alluded to it. We're doing a Super Bowl uh, theme this week. Who would have guessed it, right? So Super Bowl's going to have – they've pretty much put their headliners up there. Oh, yeah. I didn't want to put together any sneak peeks of who we might get to see. Like, uh, there's rumors that Little Dicky might be there. There's rumors that uh, that uh, Kendrick's wait, brother, Baby Keem, could be wait, there. Wait, 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 wait. Don't we already have enough people in there? And I'm saying, as somebody who's a fan of all these artists. I agree with you. But I'm like, we're gonna we're not going to have enough time to get... If it was just Snoop and Dre, we wouldn't have enough time to get to all their stuff. You had Kendrick Lamar in there and uh, Mary J. Blige. And, and I don't even know why we need him in him. He's from Detroit. I like Eminem. He just doesn't fit in here. Dr. Dre guy. Do we just, I guess, but it's Where's we, 50? And, that, and that's why Little Dicky would get in too because he's a Snoop guy. And that's do, why Baby Keem would get in because he's a Kendrick guy. Do but, we just have to have a white person? Is that why Eminem's there? We can't have an all black lineup features? Uh, Is that? We, yeah, I'm not going to say It's got to be right Janet with here. Justin. You can't just be <laughs> Janet. Nah, I, I, think, uh, I, I think it's uh, mostly, we, we, <laughs> these are all of. Dre's people. Okay, well, I that's think what they're it's also about. trying to give us a supercut where we're going to get like thirty to forty-five seconds of just the greatest hits over and over and beat us over the head with it. But we've stalled long enough. I mean, I've got the songs. I don't know what All we're right. calling for. Uh, so, I well, this is a great discussion. I'm, I may have to come back on the show and just talk about what should be the playlist. For Dre, Snoop. I've got that written down already. I mean, again, well, I, like, I, I mean this what, with all due respect, Josh. I don't give a damn what I, you what, think should I be. Hear, well, I, I want to hear Grams to make fun of it. Last year, we we got nine out of the twelve songs they played right. We nailed it. I mean, and Kendrick Lamar. How do you begin to start picking 
Well, get, Lamar's going to be uh, the, like the guy left out because he may be the most brilliant up there, but like he doesn't speak to as many people as Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg do. Sure. There are only three songs I could see Kendrick Lamar going up there playing. Humble's a given, yeah. but then you're talking about is it Mad City or are you going to do, if you're going a little bit further back, or if you're doing something like King Kunta, who, which is my favorite song from the Pimp a Butterfly album. I just what do you like, think, Robert? I just like hearing Josh Graham say King Kunta and to Pimp a Butterfly. Yeah, I, I know. I, I, anyway, All right, let's, let's play do some, some songs. songs. I'm tired of talking about it. We're going to start. I tried to mix as many of these artists into three songs as I could. And this also happens to be my favorite Dr. Dre song, so we're going to start there with What's the Difference? What's the difference between me and you? Me and you? But, me and you? Oh, I was about to answer. About five bank accounts, three it's ounces, and two vehicles. It's coming up. You already wrapped it the other day, so I knew you were about it. Back with Q. Rolling in Lorenzo and Benzo, and Benzo and banging with a gang of instrumentals. Got pens and pencils. Got down to business. It is a banger. I got to worry. Be careful and not accidentally cuss. Right. I had to get the clean version for all of this. I know, but I'm worried I'll say the cuss words. If you do, I'll dump it. I might even give you a freebie because I like you so my favorite Dre songs next episode. I know it's basic, but when you hear Snoop go, la da 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 la. Um, I like the verse, Dre's verse on give me uh, uh, one more platinum plaque, an F rap, you can have it back. Like that, that whole verse is amazing. I, don't, I forget the name of the song, but I. But then I'd have to go back to nothing but a G thing. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Or, or you know, just that's, that, that's what that that's nothing a but a G play. thing has to be at the Super Bowl. Must play, or, or, or we're not playing the second half. See, not, the second half does not start until they play nothing but a G thing. Same that's thing all for Family Affair. If they that's don't, a, if you got Mary J. Blige there and you don't do Family Affair, we're not starting that second half. You're see, right. I was trying Uriah. to figure out where Mary J. Blige fits in with them. Also, yeah. we're talking deep cut Dr. Dre songs. Bleep You will not get played at the Super Bowl, but it is also just a bang. Yes. I, we great. can all agree that that's a play, right? Uh, yeah, that's 100% play. The skits in Dre's songs and like the intros, so like in Blank You, you know, I mean, just the, the, they're all so good. So good. Show them what you can make it do with a cancer stick. Uh, next up, we've got. Uh, <laughs> One of my favorite songs. <laughs> Be working it like a dancer. Can we have that as a drop? Like a dance, a trick. Uh, anyway, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige off of Good Kid, Mad City. This is the bonus track off the album, and I don't know if we're going to get to hear it, but I think it would be a great way to blend Kendrick and uh, Blige together. This is Now or Never. We on? All right. One, two, three, go. Waking up in a dream. Sleepwalking on another big stage And, and you hit the nail on the head. Kendrick is so brilliant, but I don't know if that's going to come across well in the Super Bowl. But yeah. he does have an album coming out, but, so but I yeah, wonder he, if we're going to get a single he, drop this week. He can do DNA and Humble. There you go. And, oh, you know, I didn't even think of DNA. Um, that whole damn album, he can probably pull one song other than the two you named and still be okay. It's funny. This is an obvious play as well. It's fun, but the I, I know uh, Butterfly and Damn almost like, not not word for word but i know those things pretty well up and down and this is the one i know the least uh so i need to spend some more time with it but i I've, it's a play 100 percent. listen to this it sounds like it could be a bruno mars track it's uh, 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 uh. a play 100 percent. but yeah you're right that i don't know if that'll make it to the super bowl even though if, that, if they play mad city i'll lose it um that'd be th- so cool these are just artists that like Dre and Snoop should have this Super Bowl, and then like Mary J. Blige could be there, right? 
Eminem could have his own Super Bowl next year with a host of guests, right? Correct. Kendrick Lamar probably in 10 or 15 years could do a, a Super Bowl by himself because at that point his songs would be known by I not hope. only the people who grew up with them, but their kids. You know what I mean? That's what you need. You need the two generations. I, I hope there's no more surprise guests because to your point, we have too many there's people. Too many. But maybe the surprise is you pay homage to Tupac. 25 years after he passed away. We're, no, we're doing a you, Tupac you, you hol- play, hologram host You play Super Bowl. California Love. Sure. You got Dre there. That That's something that would be cool. What's the last one we got? Uh, last, I wanted to give Snoop his own individual song because he's got too many singular bangers that I don't think they're going to have time to get to. But if they were going to play a song, I hope that this is on the list, even though it would be a singular event for him. This better not be Holiday Inn. I, I'm so happy that this is the pick. I was fearful of sexual eruption. I'm glad you went with this song. Uh, 100%. I mean, I guess yes. they probably will play this, won't they? But I don't you know think what? they will, but I hope you know they what? do. I'm going to surprise you guys. I'm going to skip this. Wow. I'm skipping Drop It Like It's Hot. Whoa. I just grew up on... This, this is a banger, but it just... Uh, Can we drop his mic like it's hot? Duh. <laughs> To me, doggy style is the only Snoop featured songs I need. Snoop solo songs that I need. Doggy style is all of the Snoop led songs I need. Robert, turn down the volume real the quick. Re- I want to. I want to reenact what I used to do when I was in high school when this song came out. Stop. Hayes, can you do the beat with your mouth? We no. Just, no, of course just, I can't. Robert, can boom, you do ba-da, that? Boom, boom, ba, boom. That's what we do. We just walk around. Like, we do that, and then someone has Snoop, knows to jump in it. That song is so great. I feel validated in in skipping this song now after hearing that story. The same person I do that with had... My name saved in his phone is just Josh. I mean, the, the, as if to say, who's calling? Uh, it's just Josh. The best, the best to think about is what the playlist would be of like the absolutely you're not going to hear this. Like you already mentioned with Dre's like bleep you, but like it ain't no fun by Snoop. Like 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 if that like if that. <laughs> this is DJ. I mean, just yeah. You know, like if one of those songs kicked up, you're like, oh no. It's, we're going to it. Ain't, ain't, <laughs> that, it ain't no oh, fun. No, I mean, exactly what they're going to there, say. There's so, there's so many snoops. I actually saw a pretty decent TikTok that was from. It was made by a, a police officer, and he was acting like he was giving serious advice. He was like uh, PSA uh, to all the forty uh, year old parents out there at the Super Bowl. It is Dr. Dre and Snoop. Your kids yeah. are your kids are about to find out. Another that, one. Another one that would be great for. Did he just cut off the middle of my story? He, yeah. The, yeah. The right. kid, your kids are about to find out that you know every word to these albums, and they're gonna have a lot of questions for you. Like, watch yeah. out, be careful, do don't catch yourself saying every word when Snoop Dogg is rapping, because uh, your kids will know. So. What will be the best example of that? Like, what's the best song that they that there's no chance they would ever play, but would be great if they did? Like, I, I think about Guilty Conscience or God, what's another one? If I had. Off like the the Slim Shady LP. Yeah, G G nothing but a G thing has a very clean version that went popular. That when you hear it, you realize there's so many words that are changed <laughs> that like they'll be you know G's up whatever else they say next up G's up these up. 
while you uh, I forget what they I forget what word they sub in. Let's for get the four, out of here before we get in trouble. The four letter cuss words. We, I forget what they we got. Hayes Furbar hanging out with us. It is insane. Everybody is insane. What's going on in there? You're on the drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. <laughs> Permar's in here, and he's serenading us. You want to give the people a little bit no, of no. Greensboro state no, of mind? No, not yet, not yet. They have to wait for that. Check out Sports Generate on YouTube. And TikTok. Robert's been enjoying those. I think we're at Channel 8 Sports on TikTok. I think Sports Generate was not available. Somebody clearly saw our success in the rest of the world and snapped up Sports Channel 8 TikTok. They're squatting on it. Last night... The Tar Heels won on the road at Clemson, one by two. Caleb Love to Brady Manick, a last-second make. Wasn't as cool as Wayne Ellington doing so in 2008, but still, a win's a win. But perhaps the MVP of the game never touched the floor. That MVP was the North Carolina fan that traveled on the road to Clemson and had one message she wanted conveyed to Tar Heel fans, or to the Tar Heel players, excuse me. One message she wanted people to know, and apparently the entire ACC Network audience, too, watching. Here's how it sounded. Shefflin trying to post up Manic on the inside. The entire game, Channing defense... Pretty much every North Carolina defensive possession. And the story got better as we went on because BDOT was there. And I texted Dot, who is the lady that is yelling defense every single possession? He's like, that's Leaky Black's mom. And I thought, perfect. Of course, North Carolina's best defensive player. Has a mom she who goes defense. on the road and appreciates defense. It had me thinking. I want to like create an entire backstory where she's been doing this at Leaky Black's games since he was in grade school, yelling defense time and time again. Like she would not give him supper unless he walked into the dining room in a defensive stance. Like, uh, you know, babies have the little play school rim that you can dunk on. His, like, didn't have a rim on it. It was just a go with the backboard because she wanted him to appreciate that, like, it's not about scoring. But see, what happened Uh, to her was when she was in the state championships in high school, she gave up the game-winning point. Oh, so she, so that's like she, her villain origin story. She had she had forty-five in the state championship. But got, but, but got burned for the uh, for the game losing uh, score. No, yeah. it, it even goes deeper than that. The thing that seared into her head was that the coach of that high school team. The last words he said before he had an aneurysm on the bench no. was yelling defense. No. And then she gave up the bucket, and that was the end of that guy's life. Such why, a shame. Why does it got to go there? Hayes, we're, we're writing the script here. It's a really good movie that we're writing about Leaky Black. Yeah, but now you killed a guy. Well, I, I didn't think that was necessary. Yeah, you know, that's what makes for a good story. Just like in the most recent Spider-Man, didn't Hot Aunt May die? 
Well, yeah, Spoilers. each, each Spider Man has I to lose. I haven't seen somebody. the movie. <laughs> each Spider Man has to lose somebody, though. So, like, it's Uncle Ben sometimes, it's Aunt May sometimes. That was, like, the common thread between the three Spider Man. It's like that they all had to grow because of their loss. But let's yeah, lo- Aunt May died. Let's localize this. John Dell, who's taking his son to his first Hornets game tonight. Please don't scream defense, buddy. Just texted us, uh, texted the show. That Leaky Black's mom is a Winston-Salem State graduate and a former Miss Winston-Salem State. There you go. Shout out. Um, I don't know how you play defense. That's what I was going to say. In a beauty pageant. But, uh, no, we've seen this happen before. This movie's getting better and better. This happened at the the, uh, UNC Duke game. Uh, it used to happen at Florida State a lot. Where did they used to play before they play now? Didn't they? they, they Are you talking someplace? about mics picking up things? Yes. And or, do we have that sound, Robert? Can we find that where the fan you enjoyed so much hearing the fan yell "God Almighty" on the sideline? Oh, it was fantastic. Um, and we were talking about this on Sports Channel Eight. Like, is there a better seat than if you if you know you're on the mic? <laughs> I mean, you've got them, right? Like they got because they they put those mics up there. I realized this when some games were being called on the radio remotely, like ACC tournament games last year, right? Um, and they they've got them. The guy, the, the people are calling it in Raleigh instead of being in Greensboro because they were still under like COVID precautions in the in the company. But they had somebody go set up a mic on the court so that you could get the court sound because you realize you miss that in a radio call if it's just two people. Talking, calling a game, right? So they have those TV games where they are at the game, too. There's just mics on the court to help amplify the sound to give the TV audience the feel of the game, right? And here's how it sounded from (laughs) Duke Carolina on Saturday. God Almighty! I might have a million-dollar idea, guys. What if games started having a fan of the game where it's like, Oh, this is uh, okay. We have uh, Matt Damon, and he's going to have a mic on him. And so, like, whatever Matt Damon says during the game, that's what's on the crowd mic. Well, I think Dude. Sky Sports already has something yeah. similar to this for soccer games. They pick a fan for like one of the big clubs uh, for each of them going head to head, and the entire broadcast is just yeah. like a picture in picture of those guys, kind of like the Manning cast. It won't be on the main broadcast, play. but we're not far off from doing this. Yeah, hundred percent. It's a, it's a secondary broadcast, but yes. It's but can idea. you imagine like getting like Petey Pablo and he's like Agua on people's shots, or, or like you know, Beetlejuice who's just like when people shoot, like you have no clue what they're going to say. Honestly, you should be able to do that. You know, how, like back in the day, like old. I mean, there there are some olds who still do this at any game you go to. They like to go to the basketball game, but sit with the radio broadcast in their ear i used to do that right as a kid. but you should be able to with your phone like you like b dot should be mic'd up you have like three <laughs> people and be like i want to listen to this person during the game like i don't you know and then you you wear whether you're at the game or not you can you can just dial up who you want to hear at the game you can dial up your favorite media person See, if you're at a carolina game you already hear b dot during those games b dot yeah. will be with us on tomorrow's show, I would in like studio. Jim Beheim's nose to be mic'd up. Or you can just let's <laughs> let's get it'll sound like this. Yes, Jim Beheim, uh huh. Jim Beheim content unbeaten here in the triad. Uh, the Carolina Panthers made a pretty important hire today. I thought. See, some coaches left. They hired a few others that I couldn't pretend to make all that interesting. But this one here is: they brought Steve Wilkes back. Steve Wilkes was the defensive coordinator that 
spent a year in Charlotte, then got the Arizona Cardinals job only to be a fired, only be fired a year in. He comes back, and that's a pretty good coach. The other departures and signings, I can't get that worked up about it. I can't really, it doesn't really move the needle for me. This one does, because when you think about when things really started to go south for the Carolina Panthers post-Super Bowl, it's when they really started to have staff turnover. See, the Panthers survived a couple years with Mike Shula as the offensive coordinator, but he really was sitting a seat too high. Good quarterbacks coach, not a great offensive coordinator, and that ended up being a problem later and later after the Super Bowl, years after that. But then as the D.C. (laughs) seat became a coveted position for head coaching jobs, Sean McDermott getting a job, and then Steve Wilkes, that really started to change things. So you got a guy who has head coaching experience, who was also a really good defensive coordinator as well and knows the building. That's a really good hire for Matt Rule. I think it's good stuff. I don't know anything about Steve Wilkes, but I'll trust you on that one. Then is I it, like uh, his show. Did you guys ever watch his show, like when you were homesick? I would, uh, the Steve no. Wilkes show? Yeah, is Steve this Wilkes a different show? Steve Wilkes? Oh, Steve Wilkes. No, no. He was like is... the bodyguard for... Uh, what so? What do people? Use? Jerry. He was the big bodyguard on uh, uh, Jerry, and then Jerry like, Springer. Yeah, and then they would switch it and gave him his own show where he can be like the bodyguard and the host. I would love to know the strange television shows that Robert watches. Well, when like I was a kid, the dude does, is Jerry Springer still on? Does anybody know? I think he is. B dot used to. B dot was actually no, that was Maury. He was on Maury Povich one time. The more important thing about about Steve Wilkes as a hire is. It calms some of the nerves that nobody wants to work on Matt Rule's staff, yeah. right? So, like, whether or not you think he's great or bad, he's some, as you said, he's somebody with a reputation, somebody uh, who, who aspires to maybe be a coach again in this league, and he's not running from the job, and that's a win for uh, Matt Rule, and maybe a win on if it wasn't, if that wasn't their first choice for that job. Good on them to not let it lead to that other people didn't want it because uh, then it can look like a, a good hire for that reason. You are listening to WSGS Winston-Salem and Greensboro, WPC in Burlington, WMFR High Point. Those signals make up WSGS Sports. Hayes, what are you doing with that hammer? Just stretching. I'm See, old, every man. time he gets in here, he grabs, yes, he grabs it. See, we're broadcasting today from Raleigh. Yes. And Hayes has... This hammer that he wields every time well, he's in feel, here. I, I mean, it's it's sitting here, and yeah, you, know, you kind of feel like Thor. Let me know? be more specific. It is an actual hammer that I'm talking no, it's about. Not a, it's not even a hammer. It's a mallet. Okay, it's a rubber mallet. It's a, you know that you would use to pound the not nails. It's what it's for. It's the rat killing hammer. Your name <laughs> is now Hayes Hammer, and not it is. Um, but now you feel kind of like Thor when you're just wielding a. Uh, it's not. That's what I mean. It's not a hammer. It looks more prop like than than a hammer would. Let's uh, get our every now, every now and then, I'm like, inclined, not at Josh, but I just want to like fling it just to see if I can like get it to come back to me. Let's get our fours up for the big four. Sail with the pilot for the sea. The big four. Boy, the big four. Four. The big four. Four. That's a big ten. Boy, here we go. Number four in the big four. Last night, the North Carolina Tar Heels won at Clemson. Syracuse won its fourth consecutive game. Is it too late for Syracuse to make that late season run? Like, is that out of the question? 
See, usually when they make the late season run, there are enough good ACC teams that they knock off that their resume right. looks great. They could squeal some, steal some quad one win. This year, not so much. I know you're a big fan of looking at resumes here yeah. on February the 9th. Yeah, not my bag. But uh, what, what's their ACC record? I don't know what their ACC record is, but they're 13-11 and 11 on the season overall. Nah, nah, they can't do it. North Carolina, though. They could do it. I think they're going to. I, I think they'll make the tournament, and I think their only quad one win is going to be against Virginia Tech. I think that's what it's going to be. I don't think they're going to leave out a 23-10 and 10 North Carolina team. I just don't think they're going to. Like, they're going to throw them in Dayton and say, hey, come to Dayton. You can watch North Carolina. Okay. And that's what we're going to do. I could see that. Syracuse is 7-6 and six in the ACC. Ooh. Yeah. 500 team overall, 500 team in the ACC. Uh, they do have they do have shooters. That's one thing that's coveted, especially in tournament play. You mean make a run late in the season, not a run in the ACC tournament, right? Get an at-large bid for the NCAA tournament. Yeah. They're on that four-game win streak, man. You better watch out. You might Maybe. not pick them, but I will. I know Beheim. Beheim will. You can't leave Beheim. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> I, I, I jumped in there and boxed you out the way that Leaky, Ma, Leaky Black's mom would be proud of. <laughs> You're just going to get a good box out in here. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can't leave You can't leave Beheim out because uh, you don't know if uh, if it's his last season, right? If he's, if, if he's on the Are bubble, we talking about Buddy, Jimmy, or, or Jim? <laughs> All of them. Yeah, number three on the big four. Let's keep it ACC. The ACC winter meetings started today, and Andrea Adelson, who's going to join us at 540, had a story today. It's pretty well sourced, plus some anonymous sources, talking about what some of the priorities are. Divisionless ACC moving forward is something that's going to be discussed. The playoff, something as well. A lot of coaches are quoted in the story. Dave Clawson, Pat Narduzzi, saying that they feel like Jim Phillips is going to bat for them, prioritizing football. Okay, that's all good and well. Let's do the same story, and let's quote ACC basketball coaches now and to see how they feel about Jim Phillips prioritizing the ACC. Just going to throw that out there. This is probably my favorite portion of the story, though. During ACC kickoff in July, coaches heard there was going to be a presentation from Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick about the 12-team playoff model that he, Greg Sankey, Bob Bowlesby, and Mountain West Commissioner Craig Thompson developed. But multiple coaches said they were not given much in the way of detail about how it would affect the regular season, number of games play, academic schedules, the holidays, or bowls outside the playoffs. This is the quote that, again, has to be anonymous. Jack tried to swindle us into going for it. <laughs> that thing got squashed back at ACC Media Day. So when Jim Phillips said none of his coaches wanted the playoff to be prioritized right now, he wasn't kidding, according to Andrea's reporting. Yeah, it's hard to tell sometimes. Jim Phillips maybe needed a little good PR. Um, you know, he was the moving stuff out of Greensboro. Then saying oh, that's fo- the only thing that's really ticked me say, off. Saying football is a priority, like you said, to some tradition. We'd love to have Jim Phillips on the show. We've invited him on the show for a very long time since that Greensboro stuff. And, you know, I've talked to Jim in person about these things, and he said he'll come on sometime, and I'll I'll hold him to his word. He'll, he'll, he'll come back on the show. But the Greensboro thing is still something we are all thinking about and following.
um, and saying that that it's a football you know priority conference. Uh-huh. Uh, that, you know that writing's been on the wall. I guess you know um, Swafford maybe just had more tactful ways to say it, but um, so you never know when it's. Uh, and ESPN is a corporate partner of the league, right? So ultimately, yep. like, I don't, I'm not knocking Andrea at all, but you, you just never know when somebody's trying to drum up a, a a good piece. But the interesting quote I saw from Narduzzi was, yeah, he said in the past sometimes it was told, like, it sounded like the commissioners or the powers that be, he doesn't say John Swafford specifically, would tell us how things are going to be. This sounded like him saying, what do you guys want? And that that's what Phillips was taken to uh, league. Now they started a subcommittee that Dave Clawson and Pat Narduzzi chaired. I think Dabo was on it too. And then there was five athletic but, directors within the league to talk about to open a line of communication to talk about issues that matter to them. But that's we'll, what Narduzzi was saying. We'll never know the answer of this from the fo- ACC football coaches or from the commissioner. But how much is it is driven by? what they actually believe about a 12 team playoff and how much of it is driven by we don't we you know we saw Oklahoma and Texas jump to the SEC and we want everything to slow down real quick because some people are re- moving real fast and we're not the ones that are making these decisions or driving them and so we're just putting the brakes on anything right now and we want Notre Dame to join the league yeah exactly uh, just they can say all they want that Notre Dame was not a thought but I'm here to tell you when all these folks who are ADs and now the commissioner have Notre Dame ties. That is something that matters. Number two on the big four. NC State Wake Forest highlights tonight's hoop slate. You got Charlotte facing the Chicago Bulls. John Dell making his way down there, as I mentioned. NC State Wake, Permar, any thoughts on this game whatsoever? I haven't been to a state home game yet this year. What type of crowd am I going to see for the Deeks and the Wolfpack in about three hours? I don't know. I don't think they can run back the old uh, have the Demon Deacon marry Mr. and Mrs. Wolf. Uh, they've done that. <laughs> I've seen them renew their vows with them, so I'm not sure what else they can do. Uh, maybe if they were giving away Canes tickets, uh, you know, if it was like a, a two-for-one, come to the state game and your ticket is good for a, for a Canes game. Or even to the women's basketball game. Uh, perhaps. That'd be another, another good ticket giveaway. Um, no, nah, I don't want to knock uh, you know loyal NC State fans. What time's the games? Seven. There'll be some people there. It's Wake Forest. Wake Forest is good. They Wake are. fans will be there. They will. They will be there. Yes, That's Robert. It. What if uh, Mr. and Mrs. Wolf had a child and the deacon baptized that baby? <laughs> we, uh, well, I hope we wouldn't do the childbirth part, but yeah, sure, the baptizing on the court could be fun. Yeah. yeah. And then he Just drops the, chi- the baby. Like he, The deacon drops the baby on accident, and we're that, all shocked. Yeah, Permar's completely cool with uh, the conception piece, just not the birth piece. The, when it comes to, the, I don't need to see the conception either. That, I, I just, the, what, what are you talking about? I, I thought I was I'm clarifying about things your point. That we, things that we can do at halftime. I thought that's what you were Marriage saying. Marriage vows. Right, I, just, that's that's I, I just thought that's what you were looking for. All right, halftime. Here's two wolves humping. Here we go. <laughs> go Deeks. Robert's number, always there to lay it out for us. Number one. Just like the wolf at halftime. Number one on the big four. The number one story that people are talking about in sports. Peloton laid off 2,800 workers and offered them one-year subscriptions to Peloton as severance. <laughs> You're lying. No, this, this <laughs> is a true story. 
Uh, that's part of their severance, not the only thing. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> it's great, though. It's great. You want some stock options? No? Uh, just a full year of Peloton membership. Not even a Peloton, just the membership. You got it. We can hook that up. Yeah. And by the way, t- I need you out of here on Tuesday. <laughs> it's it's excellent. Like, you definitely take that, right? You have one, don't you? I do. I knew it! I knew it! Got a good 15-minute hit ride for? this morning. Stop. I'm getting married in four months, man. Stop. Get a bike, man. Actually, you know the commercial? See the world. You remember, live, in, live in the now. You remember the commercial don't that give everybody in to the, got? Don't give in to the meta. You remember the Peloton commercial that everybody got offended at? You remember that? Yeah, yeah. Where... Hey, he got his wife a Peloton. And now she's like super happy because she's the thinner and fit. That's right. Everybody she was got already that. very thin and fit when uh-huh. she started. So the way we got the Peloton was the reverse of that. Sarah Bradford was like, hey, we got wedding photos in two weeks. So I got you a Peloton. Um, Two weeks. What did she think you were going to do in two weeks? Okay. It wasn't two weeks. It was a little bit more <laughs> than two weeks. What did she think you were going to do? Hey, we got, two weeks. we got a wedding coming up did, in less than a year. Did I you want not you to look eat good in the picture. For two weeks? Too? Hey, Josh, I got you a unique item for you to drape your laundry over. Appreciate it. <laughs> 15 this. minute hit ride this morning. That's what I did. Uh huh. You're not about it? Before I let you go, you got a hot Super Bowl halftime take? Something you expect we're going to see. Not something you don't think we're going to see. Something yeah. you think we're going to see that might be off the wall. When you're talking about Eminem, Dr. Dre, Mary J. Blige. Who no, am I forgetting? I Kendrick I, Lamar. I can't think of anything off the wall. I just think I, it's going to be awesome, but there's going to be a lot left out. I mean, that's all there is to it. Yeah, I think it'll be good though. But I but I don't have um like, you know, I can't see what, what will there be a car that rolls up the, in there, you know, with Dre. Kind of like when Nelly did so yeah. with Diddy, the Panthers Super Bowl and Nelly. See, that's the part that's forgotten because you have the Janet Jackson finish to that. Oh. But no, when right. Diddy was wearing a Julius Peppers Panther jersey, I thought that was something people would remember, but not so much no, because the, of how that ended. The uh, this I don't predict this will happen, but if it did, I'd be pretty shocked. Although not a hundred percent so, because I've sort of never hundred percent admitted that he's dead. But if Tupac shows up, <laughs> that would, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Like if this is what 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 he was waiting for. That'd be great. All right. This was what this was his what what it didn't get any bigger than the Super Bowl. Probably like a billion people watching if, worldwide. If just Tupac, Tupac comes back, showed up. We're a prop bet. Uh, is there? Yeah. What a, odds can I get on he that? Does I, I ain't mad at you. Although his mind is still as sharp as ever, he occasionally has trouble seeing small print and needs the assistance of a handheld ferret to read letters. This is The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Well, you knew this was coming. Some ESPN NFL broadcasting news. ESPN announced... An expanded agreement with Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions. 
It's an extension for Monday Night Football with Peyton and Eli Manning that'll go through the 2024 season. It's fair to say that it was a success they tried this year. And now they're going to try alternate viewing options with a roster of hosts planned for UFC, college football, and golf. So we'll see where that heads later on this year, but that agreement was just announced. A primary way many of us talk about sports is by making comparisons. We do it with the GOAT debate. I don't care what sport you're talking about, but the first one that comes to mind is Michael versus LeBron. Draft coverage, we certainly do this. Yeah, this guy reminds me of Wilt Chamberlain. And the list goes on. And the reason we like to do that is because it helps people connect what's happening now to something they experienced firsthand in the past or something they read about. It's a way to connect people and to help people understand what we're looking at right now and using history to do so. So in the last 10 days, I've been trying to think, what's the best comp for this Bengals team? And I think there's only one good answer. The 2003 Carolina Panthers. Some of the similarities between these two are just nuts, but this is probably the best one. According to ESPN Stats and Info, there are only two teams in NFL history to go from last place, the worst record in the league, to the Super Bowl in a two-year span. The 2003 Panthers and the 2021 Cincinnati Bengals, both led by a quarterback who played their college football in the state of Louisiana that emerged on the scene that same season, plus the emergence of a star young wide receiver on the outside, Steve Smith, Jamar Chase, and the paths that these two teams took to get to the big game, they're pretty similar. They both needed two road wins, including an overtime win, and they needed to face... They needed to overcome a team led by Andy Reid that had been to several consecutive conference title games. You had to overcome that. The Panthers did so with Ricky Manning Jr.'s three picks in the 2003 NFC Championship game. And we know about the 11-point come-from-behind win Cincinnati enjoyed 10 days ago. Now they're in the Super Bowl. And, boy... In both cases, the Panthers and the Bengals facing the young upstart coach in his second Super Bowl appearance that everybody's trying to follow the path of, Sean McVay. Like, if you look at the assistants right now that Sean McVay's put into jobs, in eighth of the league right now, Sean McVay assistants. O'Connell just hired in Minnesota. Brandon Staley with the Chargers. Zach Taylor. Uh... Coaching against in this Super Bowl and uh, LaFleur in Green Bay, all in the Sean McVay coaching tree. At about this point in 2003, that's when the Bill Belichick coaching tree started. Talking about Charlie Weiss as the OC, Romeo Cornell as the DC, and so on and so forth. That's where it really all started. So at that point, we weren't really talking about him being the best coach in the league or being talked about as an all time great. It was the start, it was just his third or fourth year as a head coach. And it feels similar to the way that people think that Sean McVay can soon become that type of coach. But he hasn't won a Super Bowl yet. Another thing that I think is similar between these two, the defenses were so underappreciated. This year, everybody's talking about Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase that you almost forget about their elite 
pass rusher that they have in Henriksen. Just like the Carolina Panthers, you can talk about Steve Smith and Musa Muhammad and the flashiness, and boy, do they have this quarterback that we really like and we can get behind, and it's kind of a great story. But defensively, it was Julius Peppers. And it was these dudes on the inside. DJ Reader on the Bengals, Chris Jenkins for the Panthers. This In the secondary, former Deke Jesse Bates, one of the more underrated guys in the league, Reminds me a lot of Mike Minter on that 2003 Panthers team. And Carolina hung in the game. I don't think many people gave Carolina a shot at the time, but they produced one of the most exciting Super Bowls ever in Houston. A 32-29 win for New England on a game-winning kick by Vinatieri when no points were scored in the first or third quarters of that Super Bowl. I got a feeling something strange is going to happen in this game, and the more and more I think about it, the more and more I think Cincinnati might win the game, but I'll still take some time before giving out that pick officially. These Bengals are the 2003 Carolina Panthers. That, that's what they remind me of. On Twitter at WSGS Sports 336-777-1600. In about 15 minutes, we're going to visit with Andrea Adelson from ESPN. She has a story up today talking about ACC winter meetings Starting today, ACC winter meetings. And among the things that are being discussed, getting rid of divisions in the conference. No Atlantic division, no coastal division. I think the way it's being discussed right now, it's almost inevitable. Now, you need to get a waiver. I'll ask Andrea about this, but I think my understanding is you have to get a waiver from the NCAA for that to happen if you have more than 12 teams in your conference. Yes, the ACC does, so... They'll have to get that cleared. But Jim Phillips seems to be in favor of this. I'm in favor of this. Teams in the Coastal aren't, but I know coaches in the Atlantic are the biggest proponent in favor of the divisions, though, has been Clemson. Because when the divisions were created, Clemson's biggest obstacle was Florida State. And every year... You knew you had to get past Florida State to get to Charlotte, or vice versa. Clemson does not want a situation where they'd have to play their most difficult conference opponent twice in a championship game. And Clemson's voice was a lot louder than others. And when you've won X amount of consecutive ACC championship games, we can kind of understand why. But then that streak ended this year. And on top of that, Clemson lost their AD, one of the more powerful figures in the conference, Dan Radakovich, and he went to Miami. And he seems to be in favor of this, based on the quotes I'm reading in the story that Andrea wrote. So it seems to be divisions are destined to go. What struck me as well in the story is that Jim Phillips has won over the football coaches. I guess that's a product of you, the first time you did a press conference, stood on stage and said that you're going to prioritize football, that football is your top priority. I'd love for a similar story to be written to see what basketball coaches anonymously think about the job Jim Phillips is doing. Because I don't know if you get the same answers, but football coaches feel like they're heard more. They are being prioritized. One of the first things Phillips did was started a subcommittee. I don't know how interested you guys might be in this, but started a subcommittee led by Dave Clawson and Pat Narduzzi and five ADs to open a line of communication between the coaches and the league office so that way their issues are heard more. That's why when Jim Phillips last month said, 
we're going to be a no for expanding on the playoff right now, essentially ending that conversation until 2026 or 2024. It was controversial, but Phillips was representing his constituents. The coaches were against this. The ADs were against this for various reasons. In fact, in the story, this is probably my favorite part of the entire story, and I'll read it verbatim. During ACC kickoff in July, coaches heard a presentation from Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick about the 12-team model that he, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby, and Mountain West Commissioner Craig Thompson had developed. But multiple conf- multiple coaches said they were not given much in the way of detail or information about how it would affect the regular season, number of games played, academic schedules, the holidays, or bowls outside the playoff. Quote, Jack tried to swindle us into going for it. That thing got squashed back at ACC Media Day. And Jim Phillips backed up the coaches, and he earned some respect for doing so. It doesn't seem like the playoff, that's something they're going to bend on. There's just so much else going on in college football that they're prioritizing. We'll talk more about what Andrea learned in interviewing all of these ADs and sources and coaches and league officials when she joins us at 5.40, so in about 15 minutes. But before we do that, every year, we break down the Super Bowl halftime show before it happens. So before we catch up with Andrea, I'll do that for this year's halftime with Eminem, Snoop, Mary J. Blige, and Kendrick next on The Drive. Yeah, he is a locker room divider. He can be a problem. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Andrea Adelson will tell us what she knows about the ACC winter meetings that have started today, how likely it is divisions are just gone for the ACC beyond this year. She'll join us in about 10 minutes, but let's talk about the Super Bowl halftime show. Every year, Robert, we look at this. We take a look and we try to forecast what we think might happen, usually And, Robert, I've done research on this, the last 12 Super Bowl halftime shows. They range between 8 to 12 songs that are played. Usually for hip-hop or pop apps, acts, it's on the higher end of things. More traditional, older acts, probably around 8, maybe 9. So I think we're probably going to float around 10 or 11, possibly 12 songs here. But this is what I think. You let me know if there's anything that I'm missing here. But I think there are six must-plays for this halftime show. I think there are three from Dre and Snoop. The next episode, still DRE, nothing but a G thing. Mary J. Blige, family affair has to happen. That's four. Kendrick Lamar, humble, but... I also can be talked into DNA potentially being that. And for Eminem, since you got Dr. Dre already out there, got to play, forgot about Dre, right? That has to be one I think will happen. So I feel pretty good about those six. Then another one I feel pretty confident is going to get played, just because it's been used in a lot of the promos, is Rap God by Eminem. I didn't know... That that was the number one hit, but it turned out 
It was. Eminem doesn't have a lot of number one hits aside from just the rap charts itself. I'm talking about just altogether what's the number one hit. Rap God was one of those. Don't know if it was on the charts long, but it is. And then there are some maybes here. Maybe King Kunta by Kendrick Lamar or Mad City. And I'll throw DNA in there as we mentioned. Eminem, My Name Is, I I Need a Doctor. That's another song with Dr. Dre. I don't know if that got picked up as much. My Name Is, he worked on with Dre. There's a great story in uh, the HBO docuseries they did on Jimmy Iovine and Dre that talked about the first time he met Eminem, like within five minutes of them meeting, they walked into a studio and he had that that drop of, Hi, my name is, my name is, and Dr. Dre was hooked on Eminem at that point. That's what I'm thinking right now. Anything you'd push back on on that? I don't know about pushback because, I mean, you just named all hits. So, like, obviously they have, like, a place in there. But I feel like they're going to find a way to push Mary J. Blige out of only doing her songs and songs that she did with someone else on the set list. Yeah, So if if it's not going to be Now or Never... I think it would be all of the stars off of the Black Panther album. The SZA song. Well, yeah, it was, she's on it too, so I think she would probably be on there with them, and that would be a way to use Kendrick and her, and you get the tagline, you get the blockbuster, and you just get the hell out. Also, I think they'd be totally remiss not to play California Love. Like So the- that, see, that I think would be a great surprise. Get You're in L.A., pay homage to Tupac some way, and... Find a way to get Mary J. Blige maybe singing the hook of the song. Well, Dr. Dre is in California Love. That's true, too. Like, yeah. you don't need her to do that, but... No, no, no. I'm talking about the part that Dr. Dre doesn't sing in the hook. You could just get her singing in it. Uh, figure it out. Like, trying to figure out other areas for Mary J. Blige to be used when she doesn't have many absolute monster hits like Family Affair. We all know that she's really talented unbelievable singer one of the best singers we've had in modern history and but for, for eminem i also think they're missing a big opportunity since this is like a uh it's a show right they're trying to put uh, on the airs for it for them not to have a reset period where lose yourself plays yeah, yeah. like that that just makes sense where it's like the music gets quiet we get the piano they're setting up the sets and the stage around them and that's like a reset like okay get so and so in position get so and so in position and then Eminem can kind of have his solo light, and then they bleed over to him with someone and kind of transition like that. Who else do you think might make an appearance? 50 Cent connected to Dr. Dre? I don't know if they'll they'll pull 50 out of there. Kendrick has an album coming up, and he was just he just returned to music on his cousin Baby Keem's album. So I think you could see Baby Keem. Uh, Little Dicky was tweeting earlier last week about having to take the opportunity to perform at halftime into his own hands. So I think you might get like a piece of a sketch of professional rapper with Little Dicky because he is signed to Snoop Dogg. But little things like that where you might just get someone to be up there to do one line or say one thing or be a part of one opportunity to seize everything they one, ever wanted. One, mo- <laughs> one moment. Uh, and I also think they could use Little Dicky as like a uh, kind of like the dancing shark. Like, if they're trying to have a viral moment in this that's kind of funny, where, like, Eminem can even poke, like, I'm not that kind of white boy, or something like that, and have little Dickie in, like, a, a flamingo outfit, or just something ridiculous, I think there's an opportunity for that, too. I know you would love if Lil Dicky is featured in this somehow. I We'll see. That would be, that would be certainly entertaining. 
Uh, here are some of the prop bets, Robert. Just want to see what direction you go in here. Artist to first perform. Now, let's get clarification here. Like, if the next episode starts to play, and that's the first song, and you hear, la-da-la-da-la, that's Snoop Dogg talking, but it's a Dr. Dre song, what's the first artist to perform? I'm pretty sure it's the first person to sing. Just like okay, when so they it do it be off Snoop. the national anthem, like, as soon as they open their mouth, it starts, I would imagine... It's the first person that starts singing in that song. Okay. That would be the first person. So Dr. Dre is the betting favorite, plus 150. Mary J. Blige is next, plus 200. Snoop, 375. That might be good value. Plus 650. Now, these are not. I don't think. I think these are all offshore stuff. I don't think you could actually, even if you were in one of the states that have gambling, I don't think you could bet on these types of things. But it is fun to talk about on the radio. Will any part of Eminem's performance be censored? That's a question. Like how, visually, like he says something that I think a lot of these songs are going to have to be, to be censored. Like they're going to have to change the lyrics. They can't. No, no, say no, no. Will he say something that he's not supposed to say that they have to bleep out during the Super Bowl? A la what we saw with Big Boy a few years ago, Maroon Five, saying some things that had to be bleeped out. I I don't know. Yes is the favorite on that. Will a football be used as a prop? I don't think so. First song performed. The betting know, favorite Snoop is... Snoop loves football, man. Snoop could definitely be true. doing some football stuff. Could do like a Lady Gaga jump off stage deal. Or have like his football team out there as he's talking. First song performed is California Love, the betting favorite. Oh, come on. that that's uh, You can't do that first. You can't come out of the box with Tupac. I don't think you could do that. I, I think it's going to be... One of these three, nothing but a G thing, next episode, or still DRE. I don't know what the best bet of those three would be. Really don't. What else do we got here? First Dr. Dre song performed, those three. What will be Eminem's first song? Lose Yourself, so Robert's on to something there. And how many songs will be played during the Super Bowl? Over eight and a half. I think that's a, a pretty good bet. Wardrobe malfunction, you can always bet on that apparently now. And the last one, Robert, will Snoop Dogg smoke on stage? No is a minus 450 favorite there. Okay, so that's what we got for the halftime. I'm going to go with, I feel pretty good about those six. And then beyond that, you know. But Snoop Pick would or choose to, a few. Snoop would have to be on TV smoking or just on stage smoking. On st- well, on TV, yeah. Okay, so like, like what you, if he's not to, in a set? We, and somebody we have in to. And he's just no, 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 down. no, no. We have to see it. It has to be a part of the show. We have to see it. That's the rules. Them the rules. Did we not have an over under on Corona commercials this year like last year? Oh. And you're not talking about the beer. It was on, yeah. It was on two and a half last year, and we only, I think, we got three COVID. Yeah, it, it was. I thought it'd be way over that, but it wasn't this year. I, I think I don't think we're going to be doing as many of those. If you, we'll if I put it at a half, would you take the over or the under? Wouldn't touch it. Nope, not this year. We'll do props tomorrow. We'll have fun with that. Andrea Adelson now with us from ESPN. Read her story today on the ACC winter meetings that started today. And one of the bigger things to come from that story, it seems that they are strongly considering, and this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who's heard Jim Phillips speak on the topic in his first year as commissioner, they're considering shedding divisions in the ACC. Andrew, we always appreciate the time from you, and the story's really well done. 
as it always as they always are when you ride them. But what needs to happen in order for the ACC to get rid of divisions, and do you think it's likely? Well, I appreciate that. Thanks for the compliment. I do think it's likely. This is the first time in the 10 years since I've been reporting on the ACC considering what to do about divisions that I feel fairly confident that they're going to get rid of them at some point. Uh, What has to happen is that there has to be more consensus on it. You know, in the past, it was always uh, voted on division lines, right? Coastal loves divisions because they're going to have a chance to play in the championship game. Uh, Atlantic hates divisions because Clemson and Florida State has ab- have absolutely dominated. And the one team in the Atlantic that likes the division structure is Clemson uh, because Dabo Sweeney thinks if they get rid of divisions, his team is going to get the toughest ACC schedule in order to have the most marquee matchups to put on television. I do not think the ACC would do that, but those are some of his fears. So what needs to happen is everyone has to move on board and get on to the same page to decide, okay, let's put aside what we think is in the best interest of our own universities and uh, go for what's in the best interest in the ACC. And if it's in the best interest of the ACC to get rid of divisions in order to form more attractive matchups for television and an expanded playoff, then that's what the ACC needs to do. And I do think there's more momentum to getting there. What were coaches unimpressed by when Jack Swarbrick presented the 12-team format in Charlotte. And before you answer, I just remember the day after that, the thing that sticks out to me talking about this subject with coaches was Dave Clawson on the show talking about the idea of 12 teams, and he said, as the head coach of Wake Forest, I would be in favor of it because we want as much access as we can to get into the playoff. But as a lover of college football, it's not good for the sport. What we saw yesterday is not good for the sport, is what he said on our show, paraphrasing, of course, back in July. What specifically were you told they had issue with when they were presented what Jack Swarbrick helped put together the 12-team format? That there was no real information. That it was essentially, okay, we've decided on 12, and uh, let us know if you're in favor of 12. Go back and pull your players, see if they want 12, uh, and uh, let us know. You know, that there was no discussion about what it would mean for the calendar, for practices, for holidays, for how many extra games that would be involved, uh, for some of the rules that the coaches believe need to be changed, i.e. Uh, more scholarships, um, trying to figure out transfer portal, uh, which has been a, a hot-button issue going all the way back then. Uh, And when I talked to Mac Brown about it, you know, he didn't want to mention names. He didn't want to talk about the presentation. But if you read between the lines of some of his comments in my story, he felt like he wasn't fair to him and it wasn't fair to his players when he went to them and just asked them, are you in favor of 12? Because he couldn't give them any information of what exactly the 12 team format would look like. We still don't have answers about how the bowl structure would look outside uh, of a 12-team playoff. Any home field advantage. Like, we have no idea any of this. No idea about, right, home field sites, how the others are going to be incorporated. So the fact that all they were told was, this is what we've come up with, here you go, with none of that nitty-gritty detail that you know coaches want more than anything about how is this going to affect our practice schedule and our daily lives was something that didn't really go over well. 
in addition to the fact that their commissioner was kept out of the loop on it, right? It was just four guys in a room who came up with it, and then Jim Phillips was in, in, as in the dark about the whole thing as the football coaches, and, and they didn't like that very much either. Now you, of course, add in the fact about what happened with uh, Texas and Oklahoma, and it just leads to a lot of skepticism about what that whole presentation was about to begin with. She's on Twitter at A. Adelson, ESPN. Read the story, ESPN.com. The best quote from the story was talking about that presentation where a source told you, quote, Jack tried to swindle us into going for it. That thing got squashed back at ACC Media Day. And while I'm reading quotes from the story, love this at the end of it from New Miami AD, who used to be at Clemson, Dan Radakovich. I just don't know that the commission hi- commissioner himself or herself has a great effect on the success or failure of football. Jim's done a really good job of saying that football is incredibly important. Now it's up to the individual schools to go out there and make sure we do what he's talking about. And that's part of all of our jobs, says the guy who took Mario Cristobal from Oregon and just this week got Josh Gaddis, former Deke, from Michigan to be the offensive coordinator. I got to know, did you get that quote from Radakovich? before he pulled Josh Gaddis away from Michigan? Because it might have seemed like, you know what? I'm saying these things. Maybe I need to act more brashly now and back up, hey, that football matters. Let's just pull perhaps the best OC in the country and make him our OC. Yeah, that was before uh, everything happened with Josh Gaddis. And by the way, he just fell into Miami's lap because Josh was just very unhappy with the way everything transpired with Jim Harbaugh and Michigan, and the Vikings, and all this. But the fact that Miami is all in, finally, on spending money on football has got to be the biggest win in year one for Jim Phillips, right? Are they going to be the trendy pick this summer? Like, when we look at the – they're going to win – they're going to be the preseason pick to win the Coastal. They're this year's Carolina. Of course they're going to be the trendy pick. Because why? Because we all want – Miami to be back so badly, we'll believe anything about what Miami's doing, right? Like, oh, they got Mario Cristobal, they're spending money, they got all these assistants, they got Tyler Van Dyke coming back, preseason choice. Uh, They may or may not be good, I don't know. But the fact that Miami actually is putting the money where the talk has been is so supremely important because when we talk about the struggles and the ACC and the relevance and who are we talking about, They just need Miami and Florida State to be good again, in addition to what Clemson has built. If they can get Miami and Florida State good again, if Miami-Florida State matters every year, if the Miami-Clemson game is actually competitive, uh, these are the types of things that will only enhance football in the ACC. If football is going to be your priority, your marquee programs like Miami need to spend like football is a priority. Miami is finally doing that. And we're finally starting to see, you mentioned the brashness and and some of the swagger, what Dan said. We're seeing that with Mario and the hires that he's made because he's been given the opportunity and the ability to make these hires. Maybe Diaz did not have this money to be able to go out and make these hires, but Mario does. And they believe in him because of who he is, what he's done there. And again, if the fan base can stay behind this program and not just jump ship the second something goes bad, if they can lend their support, they can show up to games, they can help recruiting by doing that, by the way, Miami's going to have a chance. Miami is going to have a chance. And that's what the ACC needs, Miami to be good. Now, here's what I would say in response to that. 
I'm probably going to pick Miami to win the Coastal. Let me just point that out. But <laughs> 10 of the last 11 years, the, the, the us collective media has picked the wrong Coastal champion when there was yep. a Coastal. So I look at the schedule. You and I, I remember we were at the uh, hotel bar in Charlotte right at, at ACC kickoff, and I told you the crazy idea I had. I was going to pick Pitt to win the Coastal Division. And I turned out to be the one idiot who did it. And a blind squirrel found a nut. That's what happened. <laughs> and, and, and it worked out. So I looked at the schedules a little bit differently this year and started thinking, who could the teams be this year that completely fly under the radar that nobody talks about that could have that type of season this year? And I found one from each conference after seeing the, the schedules come out. And I'm just interested if you agree with any of these two, Boston College and Pitts, uh, not Pittsburgh, UVA. UVA. Oh, I was hoping you would say UVA. Because, listen, listen, on the other side, yes. on the schedule, you don't have Clemson. You don't have State. You don't have Wake. So, and your most difficult games, they're being played in Charlottesville. And you got the quarterback back, just like Pittsburgh had. And BC, when you look at their schedule, they don't have Miami. They don't have North Carolina on the other side. And when I look at their schedule, they get Clemson at home early in the season. Then they get the bye, which that's where you want it, physical game, before you play Wake Forest, which is the most difficult offense you're going to face that you have to prepare for. I, I, I like the way their schedule fell, too. Is there something to those teams? Well, I agree with you on Virginia. In fact, David Hale and I did a Twitter space uh, right after the schedule was announced, and we both talked about Virginia. Actually, Hale brought up Virginia's schedule as being – one in which they could make a run at the Coastal. And, of course, the two of us love what Brennan Armstrong does, the fact that he's coming back, what he can do with Tony Elliott uh, as the head coach. Uh, I do not disagree at all on that. And it's funny you mentioned Boston College because I actually talked to their head coach, Jeff Hathley, today. I was catching up uh, with him. They opened uh, spring practice on uh, February 28th. And uh, I was just talking to him about how he feels, you know, coming into year three. And, you know, he was telling me that he just feels like this team that he has coming back with Phil Dracovic, um is, is going to be good. You know, um, Phil has not played a full season where he's been 100% healthy. His first year there, he played the last several games with a shoulder injury. And last year when he came back, he only had about 50% grip strength after he had broken his wrist. Um, so he has seen a rededicated Phil Dracovic, a much more mature Phil Dracovic, somebody who's much, much more uh, eager to be the leader of this team um, and, and to show what he has. I wouldn't say it's very similar to, to Kenny Pickett because it's not because Kenny no. didn't really have those types of injuries. But he is going to be headed into year three as a starter, somebody who has played football for Boston College, um, a decent amount of football for them, veteran leader uh, for that group, who might have the potential to have a big year because he's thinking, I have a big year, and it's going to really help me with the NFL. That's what we thought about him last year. But this year more so, right? If I come back and I have a good year and a big year, what did Kenny Pickett do coming back, having a big year? put himself in position to be a first-round pick. I think the same could be said about Phil Dracovic. Um, and, and you mentioned their schedule. Uh, Zay Flowers is coming back. they got a new offensive coordinator that, that Jeff is very excited about because they want to do 
some things just a little bit differently. He wouldn't tell me what because he wants it to be a surprise <laughs> for coaches or for teams that play them in their first three games. So he just seems really excited about the group that he has coming back. You know, he's like last year people were picking us pretty high, and I think we let those headlines get to us. Uh, and now we've got guys, um, you know, who don't want to win six games. They, they want more than that. Um, and so I, I don't disagree with you at all on those two teams. I'm, I'm really excited to see uh, what, what both of them do this season. Look forward to this year's chat at the hotel bar in, in yeah. Charlotte where we'll uh, have the same discussion, I'm sure. And I'm sure we'll have many discussions before then on the show. It's good to have you on, Andrea. Congrats on the story again. Go read it at ESPN.com. Uh, we'll talk to you sometime soon. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me again. You got it. That's Andrea Adelson on Twitter at A. Adelson.